0: Your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach Podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today. What principles guide them? how they mentor others to achieve success and more. Hi, my
1: name is Kerry Stamp and you're listening to the Business in Paradise podcast. On this podcast, I interview people that have built amazing businesses in Palm Beach and Martin County, Florida. They're folks that realize that living in paradise is living in South Florida. I have a great guest today. My guest is a guy that I've known for a long time and I've admired the work that he's done both in his business and in his community. My guest today is Bob Stilly, who is the president and CEO of Heart Care Imaging, based right here in Tequesta, Florida, but with tentacles all over the United States, I think. Is that right, Bob? That's correct, Carrie. And so, Bob, tell us a little bit about your company, Heart Care Imaging, and what you, what you do.
2: Well, Heart Care is a, an outsourcing company. We provide outsourced personnel services, equipment, imaging, mainly with nuclear medicine and echo, although we'll do any other modality within the diagnostic imaging field. And we work with a lot of large universities like the University of Florida, University of South Florida, GW. And we've also have another side, it's a kind of an interesting dynamic that we also work with rural hospitals called critical access hospitals throughout the United States to provide imaging services.
1: So for those of us that don't speak medical, I think that means that you put machines in hospitals that take pictures of people's hearts.
2: Yeah, we do. It's, it's more than just hearts. We, do, uh, we started off with a cardiology focus. However, now we we do a full range of radiology. And it's, it's not just the machines, though. We also provide the technologists, the licensing, the accreditation, and we do a lot of outreach services for these hospitals and universities so that people know the how, when, and why to use the imaging services.
1: And Bob, how, how did you get started in this business? Did you have a background in this area?
2: You know, not, not really. I, I, out of college, went to work for Xerox in their computer division, and some of us left there, went to work for a company that was owned by Johnson & Johnson, and that's how we got into the medical imaging fields. However, I will say that I had a, always had a love for science, which certainly helped this side of the business.
1: Okay, so you go to work for Xerox, then Johnson & Johnson, and what leads you into starting this business or buying this business? I don't even know how you got into it.
2: Well, after, after the J&J company, it was a small company called Technicare, which was owned by Johnson Johnson, and General Electric bought us. And a group of us led by some of the senior managers started a company called Summit, which was a sales distribution and service distribution company that I worked for for a number of years basically selling and servicing MRIs and CTs and so forth. I had an idea that we should use, instead of just selling equipment, we had great relationships with the universities and the hospitals. We should provide the services for them because they were struggling with that. My partners didn't think it was a great idea. I did, so I ended up leaving and starting Heart Care in 1998.
1: 1998. Yep. So you start out, did you take any staff or was it just you with an idea?
2: It was me with an idea.
1: And... Where'd you go from there, and what was it like starting a business?
2: Well, it's it's probably like a lot of people that start. You know, it, it's a you you believe in what you're doing. We had a one year old baby at home. We mortgaged the house. Thank goodness, uh, Mary Lynn had a job, so she was able to help foot the bills. But we went into it. We were pretty successful early on because of our relationships within the industry. People knew me; they trusted me. So they pointed us in directions and, and put us in touch with people that needed our services. So. It was a relatively fast startup. You know, it was it was scary for the first year. But, you know, after the first year, I think Mary Lynn and I looked at each other. We said, gosh, we made less money than we did last year. But it's so much better to be working on your own. And based on that, we kept going and kept growing and growing and growing and had some obstacles with the recession and then COVID. But we've always been able to make it through those.
1: So, tell me, was there one particular day or one particular deal early on in the business where you said, okay, I've overcome this obstacle or I've closed this deal. And now I know that I feel like there's some clarity. I'm, I'm going to make it here.
2: Well, there, it, it might not answer your question directly, Kerry, but, and I've told the story to a couple of my friends and it's, I was up in north of Vero Beach, I went to a physician's office that I'd spent a lot of time preparing for, went up there and it was a total bust of a, a call. And I was coming back home feeling kind of bad. I stopped at a restaurant uh, on the water, had a couple of beers and I said, you know what? I'm gonna stick with this, I'm gonna go with it. And I think the following week we closed two deals. And at that point we knew we had made it and we were gonna be fine. And the way we structure our, our deals is there are relationships with customers that last for years. We still have the first customer we had 22 years ago because it's, it's, it's an ongoing. We don't just sell the service for a month or two. It's an ongoing month-to-month, year-to-year uh, relationship.
1: Wow. So it's kind of like the old adage in business that so many people give up right before they turn the corner. And if you don't keep going, you never know where it's going to go. So I had those days myself. I bet you did. And I've told my I've told my team here. My wife knows about it. I think I may have even talked about it on the podcast, but I started my business about the same time as you. You said 1998? That's right. I started in 2002 and I was in Chicago. I had left a big firm like you had and went out on my own. And for the first six weeks, the prior firm that I was working for had gotten an injunction so that I could not go out and contact my clients and bring in any uh, new business that was hard because I had staff that I was paying for. I had just built out what I thought was an absolutely killer office in the Lincoln Park section of Chicago. Had all this overhead. I thought I had put aside enough capital, but like any new business owner, there's never enough capital that you put aside and there's always something that's gonna go wrong that you haven't counted on. So those, those days make me appreciate where things uh, stand right now. So you mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to follow up on. One was college. And my question is, was that in Florida? And are you from Florida, Bob?
2: Well, I'm from Pittsburgh originally. Uh, we moved down here when I was in high school. of course graduated from high school at Plantation High School uh, down here, and then went to the University of Florida.
1: Okay, so Steelers or Dolphins? Steelers. Steelers, okay. okay we'll get you a terrible towel before you leave. There might be some in the back. Uh, So we go to college down here. You mentioned another name that came up was Mary Lynn. Somewhere along the line, you meet this young lady. She probably sweeps you off your feet or vice versa. Tell us about that.
2: Well, her father actually worked for Xerox and as did my brother in the Washington DC office. So I knew her dad. She ended up, going to work for my brother after he had left Xerox. And I went up to Washington on a business trip. And I remember walking into his house. Um, He said, I'm going to introduce you to Mary Lynn tomorrow. You're going to marry her. I laughed. And about two years later, we were married. So it was was really nice. She's also from the Pittsburgh area, so we have that in common. So a lot of the same values and backgrounds that that really do help in marriage. It was that simple. He, he knew. He knew. He knew. He knew uh, both of us very well. So do you remember what
1: the first date was like, aside from you met, her, you met her, at your brother's house?
2: No, we actually, he set up a date, and I don't know what your audience is on this podcast, but we went to a gun range, actually, and we went shooting the first time, and that was our first date.
1: My, my audience just wants to hear your story, <laughs> all right? Everybody's got a unique story, okay. and that's a pretty good one. Uh, I'm trying to think what Sharon and I did on our first date. I think we went to a bar by Wrigley Field called The Cubby Bear Oh yeah, and uh, listened to some live music. So everybody has an absolutely different story. So you start your business. While you're starting your business, you mentioned Mary Lynn had another job. What was she doing?
2: She worked for a company called Alps Electric. They're a distributor of printers and, and office-based products that she would sell to resellers.
1: Okay. And so, for a few years, she's probably the, the primary breadwinner in supporting the business as you're getting it up and going. That's right. Tell us how the business grew and what you think were some of the key strategies that you might have put in place over the years that said, hey, you should do business with us instead of either doing it yourself or hiring somebody else.
2: Well, you know, one of the things we focus on is, is clinical care first. That's always what we focus on. And so we want to make sure that the people are, are using the test properly, that they are making sure that the patients are aware of, of the how, when, and why to, to get the test, as well as the physicians on the how, when, and why to order the test. So we focus on that. We also understand that the hospitals, especially these small rural hospitals, they're struggling right now. So we, we, we look at the demographics before we go into business with them and make sure that if they put the service in, they'll be able to make revenue positive and net revenue for the hospital. So we become a partner with them, basically. And that's why we have such long-term relationships, you know, with our first customer, University of Florida, probably been with them for 15, 16 years. And they're all like that. We, we develop these long-term relationships where we help each other out.
1: Wow. And today, what's the company look like? You've got machines and locations and offices and operations. In how many places?
2: Uh, you know, I think we're in about 15 or 16 states right now. We just added Wyoming a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We're having a new piece of equipment delivered to Michigan this week, actually tomorrow. We've been mainly a southeastern, mid-Atlantic state company. However, we're pushing out into the west. We're into Arizona also. We're looking at some places up in Montana as well. And
1: when I designed this uh, podcast to interview people, I called it Business in Paradise because I chose to move down here to live in South Florida. It sounds like you've done the same thing. Have you ever considered leaving South Florida?
2: No. It's, it's a matter of fact, when we moved down here from the Washington, D.C. area, I moved up there after I met Marilyn. We got married, and I said, we've got to go back to Florida. So we moved back to Tequesta, and this is 1992. We were driving to the Wind dixie down on Indiantown Road, and Marilyn started crying. And I'm like, Marilyn, what's wrong? She goes, it's so far to the grocery store. <laughs> she just missed D.C. so much you know, the big metropolitan area. So about a year later, I had an opportunity to move back up to the Columbia, Maryland area for a job. And I told her, say, hey, we could finally move back up up to DC. And she said, you'll be going by yourself because I love it here. But we comment exactly what you're saying, Carrie, is that everybody we knew lived here because they wanted to live here. And sometimes a at a bit of a sacrifice. You had to travel Monday through Friday to do your job But people lived here because they really wanted to live in paradise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you and your wife have done a great job of making this uh, place even more awesome. This is a podcast that I want to hear about your story. But throw in a pitch uh, for your wife who has had an absolutely fantastic public service career. Tell us a little bit about where she's at right now and what she's been doing for the last 10 or 15 years.
2: Well, Marilyn has always been interested in politics. You know, she first got interested when during the Reagan revolution when she lived up in DC. And when we moved down here, she got involved with the Republican party just as a volunteer and, and volunteered on, you know, the Jeb campaign, a lot of the local, you know, Joe Negron campaigns. And when, once you start your own business and you start seeing the regulations and everything that people put in front of you, you get kind of frustrated. So she was approached I guess, eight years ago now, nine years ago, and they said, you know, we really want you to run for the state house here in Florida. And and she thought long and hard about it. We decided to go ahead and do it as a family. She ran and won, of course, very competitive uh, primary with the Republican side, and then won another four times. So she's worked her way in the Florida house. She is finishing up now. She's terming out. She is president pro tem. She also ran the healthcare appropriations committee, you know, two really important roles, the highest ranking woman in in the Florida legislature. So she's done a great job And, and she's not a politician as, you know, I guess you're a politician if you run, but she's not a politician and that she's looking for the next step. I mean, she's she served. If something else comes up, you know, she'll, of course, look at it, but she did it for all the right reasons.
1: And every interaction that I've ever had with her, she's always been phenomenally gracious, and if necessary, was not hesitant to kind of reach across the aisle, get some help from the other side. So that's, that's pretty unique. Yeah. By the way, Mary Lynn's last name is not Stilly, right. at least in, in uh, public, right?
2: We, well, she, I always tell people she wasn't sure it was going to work, so she wanted to just hang on to Magar. All right. So it's
1: Mary Lynn Magar, folks. Uh, and and that's a joke. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, I I, I got think it. it is anyway. We'll find <laughs> out. I got it. So, Bob, you and I probably got to know each other uh, maybe socially first because we, you have some common friends that are right. our neighbors, but more so working and volunteering with Jupiter Medical Center. And I know that's been a very important part of the community service that you've done in the last few years. So tell the folks first what is unique about Jupiter Medical Center and how you got involved in what that's looked like.
2: Well, there's a lot unique about Jupiter. It's uh, First of all, it's a not-for-profit hospital, and we're the only one in the area. Everything else is, is corporate or, or very large not-for-profits, you know, like the Cleveland Clinic or, or Baptist out of Miami. So we're truly a community gem that is here in the Jupiter area. And that makes a big difference, I think, as far as understanding what the community needs. In addition, we are also the the highest quality hospital in the area. Also, we're a four-star Medicare. Nobody else is even close to that. We are a um, top hospital is ranked by LeapFrog, which is a quality rating. So it's a top 100 hospital in the US. We've just opened up and opened our program during COVID. We've done 50 plus successful cases already, we have a great cancer program and I'm in the business, as you know, I, as I, we've talked about, and I deal with a lot of great universities. What we offer at Jupiter Medical Center is as good, if not better, than you're gonna get anywhere else in the United States. So there's, there's no need to leave Jupiter. And that's why I got involved. I wanna make sure you had a great regional medical center to go to here.
1: Yeah, when I first moved down here 16 or 15 years ago, the old joke was, where's the best place to get healthcare in Palm Beach County? And the answer was, you have to go to the airport. That's right. So you go somewhere else. But Jupiter Medical has made such amazing strides. There's a new cancer center that I drove past the other day. There's the uh, Margaret Needland Women's uh, Imaging Center and Breast Care Center, where I had a scan the other day and turned out absolutely fine. But I went in, they took care of me. I was out in just a few minutes and, and everything was followed on followed up uh, spectacularly. So what roles have you held as far as helping the hospital?
2: Well, I've been on you know, all the committees. I've also been the vice chair and chair of the hospital. I'm serving now as the vice chair of the, of the, uh, of the board. But one other thing to mention regarding the equipment, it's, it's outstanding. We have the best there, but we also have incredible physicians and nurses and, and technologists there also. They're, they're as good as you're going to get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know quite a few of them. I would tell you I would feel completely comfortable if something happened to me and I had to go into Jupiter Medical Center here. Bob, one, one other thing is that, you know, periodically you and I see each other. We're out on the water. You live down the river from uh, where I am. Your office, I think, is down the street right. from where mine That's is. Right. So we have this kind of small little world that revolves around Tequesta and North Jupiter. But one of the things that I've always wondered about, because you have this absolutely beautiful boat, is that you named the boat. Tell us what you named the boat and where you came up with that name.
2: Well, the name of the boat is John Galt. I'm sure you know it's it's the character in Atlas Shrugged by uh, Ayn Rand. And it's somebody that I've always admired in that book, you know, the character and, and what he stood for, individualism and, and, and being able to do what you can do on your own. So that's how we got the boat. And it's a great name because people will walk up to you at a, at a dock if you've gone to a marina and they'll say, who is John Galt? And they're either, they either know or they don't because that's the first line in the book.
1: Yes, that is the first line in the book, and that's what, in fact, weren't there billboards at some point around that said, who is John Galt? I can't remember. In my mind, I, th- I think that was the case. I've
2: seen them around, and you see bumper stickers occasionally also on cars.
1: Yeah. So, Atlas Shrugged, fantastic book, and the character in the book is somebody who is individualistic, kind of rejects the collective notion that everybody is entitled to an equal share of everything, even if you don't work as hard as the other guy? Are those some of the things that you admired about John Galt, or was there something in particular?
2: No, I think you've hit it on the head, Kerry. Those are, those are exactly the things you admire in a person like him, and just doing it for the right reasons. You know, everything that, d- that he, you know, when he had Galt's, Gulch, you know, that everybody wanted to do things for the right reasons and work in, in concert for the better of the community, and it, but, but not in a socialistic way, but you know, is it, is it more of a capitalist way, I guess. Okay.
1: So we've talked a little bit about your wife. We've talked about your business, but I think there's another special lady in your life. And I think there's only one, right? That's correct. Okay. Tell us about
2: Sam. Well, Sam is um, our daughter and she came along two months early. So she was a preemie and just we've been a fighter ever since. You know, she. Went to school here in Palm Beach County, went to Benjamin, went to All Saints for her grade school, then went to the University of Florida. She was a great softball player, you know, played all the way through high school and all the club levels, and then went to UF, and she studied neuroscience, and now she's down here at FAU at the Brain Institute, getting her PhD in neuroscience. She's actually in the PhD program right now.
1: She is in neuroscience. That's pretty impressive. Is she at the Boca campus, or are they up in Jupiter?
2: No, the, the Jupiter campus is the neuroscience campus. You know, with Max Planck and Scripps there, it's that the three institutes just have something that nowhere else in the world where you see that kind of neuroscience presence.
1: Now, my daughter Sarah is a junior in college. She had the good fortune to intern in a lab. With uh, Tom Kinetic in uh, Scripps a couple of years ago, it was a phenomenal experience for her, and she would also like to go into the medical field doing medical research. So we are so fortunate to have both Scripps and Max Planck down here in uh, South Florida. It didn't develop quite as much as people originally envisioned. We'd have this huge biotech hub down here, but I still see see companies starting up in the biotechnology area in, in this place. But to have those facilities here and the ability for young people to do their graduate work right here in Jupiter We'd, we'd love to get our daughter back.
2: And it, it is just taking off a lot faster than what you might think. You know, the, in the last legislative session, FAU got the money to put in a new building that's going to compete with the Max Planck building and the Scripps research building. So FAU has been able to bring in a lot of um, researchers from Vanderbilt, National Institute of Aging from UCSD. So they've, they brought in some world-class In fact, some might argue some of the best world-class neuroscientists and around so that they're here at FAU and they're starting to see some spinoff companies coming into the area also. So they'll, we'll, we'll see a lot more, a lot faster, I think. Good. So Bob, um, one of the things that I told you
1: I I was going to ask you about today is kind of the history of when you got started in your business. I have been for a number of years, a member of a group called Vistage, which is a business owner group where we get together once a month. It's, 15 of us, we sit, we talk about what's going on in our business because we all have common challenges. Usually they're around people or around processes or around big decisions that we're trying to make. And I'm sure as a business owner, you've gone through a lot of these same types of challenges. And along the way, I've had some really good mentors, some people that have helped me out. One of the things that I like to do in the financial business is be a mentor to younger people who are trying to make a career of this business because it is hard. I'm sure yours is as well. Along the way, some great people have helped me. Are there some people that you think have been instrumental in your journey along the way?
2: Of course. there's. You know, I've been fortunate throughout my career when I was working for somebody else to always have, for the most part, really great bosses that, that, that cared about you and we're looking out for you as far as growing and developing. Of course, look back at your parents. You know, my dad was the first man in his family to graduate from high school. His his parents, you know, were I think my grandma graduated maybe sixth grade and his dad was a carpenter. My other grandfather was a bricklayer. So you know, we came from pretty, you know, blue collar, humble beginnings. And you know, the work ethic my dad went to World War II, came back, was a um went to California State Teachers College, became a teacher, then became an engineer, just a constant work ethic. That was something that, of course, you don't miss. When I worked for the company after Johnson & Johnson, a guy named Mike House was the, the guy that led us and was the leader of that. He was a great mentor. He, he's the one who introduced me to John Galt and Atlas Shrugged and you know those, those ways of thinking.
1: Sometimes it only takes one person to just have this enormous impact on your life and kind of set you off in, in the in a phenomenal direction. As a business owner, are there some things that you think I look back on and say, geez, I wish somebody had been sitting there kind of behind my shoulder when I was younger or starting the business or making a key decision, because I might have thought about making this decision a little bit differently, or some challenges that you ran into that you think you overcame.
2: Probably would have started it earlier. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's always tough to, as you know, you've started to start to leave a fixed, a nice income that you have coming in every month, uh, working with people that you like. I think that I probably waited another, five, probably could have done it five years earlier. I've tended to be, grow the company more through a grassroots versus pushing it, the envelope. So I think it would have been helpful to have somebody come in and say, Bob, push it harder, you know, grow faster. We've just let it grow at its own pace. Is there
1: somebody that does sales for your business or is that kind of your role?
2: It's, that's basically my role. I'm the sales guy. You know, we've, we've gotten a lot of organic growth where we're well known within the industry. So when somebody has a need, somebody will say they call hard care, call Bob and our customers are very good salespeople for us. Also, we have trade show. Well, we used to have trade shows before COVID. But we've got a lot of leads from our customers that will meet somebody and say, You need to talk to Heart Care. They'll, they can help you out.
1: Now, are, are there other companies that do the same type of thing that you do for hospitals or providers around the country? Or is this a unique model that you've created?
2: There are other companies that do similar types of things. We're the only one that do the full breadth of services from the equipment, the personnel, the marketing for the, for the hospital licensing, accreditation. We're the only one that does everything.
1: So if I walk into one of the rural hospitals that you've contracted with and I go to the imaging center, mm-hmm. is, do you have the whole imaging center? We, we can not or we have parts of it. Okay. I go in there, let's assume you have the whole imaging center. The people that I'm interacting with, the person that checks me in, the person that does my imaging, the person that you know, sends, sends me on my way, the person that reads it are those people part of your team?
2: Typically, it'll be the the imaging person. So it's going to be the radiology technologist or the nuclear medicine technologist that that will be working for us. You all know that. You'll, they'll have the scrubs on for the hospital. They're, they're contracted and they work under the direct supervision of the physicians at the facility. As far as the reads go, the radiologists typically work for the hospital, similar to us as a Contracting person, so they'll read it, but it'll just be the person in that department.
1: So you're just the people taking the pictures. That's right. Somebody else is reading them. If there's a mistake, it's their problem. Ho- hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes. In in medicine, that doesn't happen very often, but it uh, when it does, it, it can be a problem. Bob, you uh, we talked about mentors. We talked about you know some things and challenges that you've had in your business. If you were telling your daughter or somebody in their 20s or 30s, what they should be thinking about if they were going to start their own business? Aside from, I'd start a little bit earlier. Are there some other key things you would tell them as far as values, principles, what to be thinking about, how to interact with people?
2: Well, there's. There, you had mentioned a book, You know, talking about books. I, I read a book probably in the 90s called The Road Less Traveled by Scott and to paraphrase the first line in the book is life is difficult. Once you understand that, it becomes easy. And I would just tell them that, if you if you have something you want to do, it's going to be difficult and just expect it to be, and you know, you'll be able to get through it. It'll be easier from that standpoint. You have to have a market for your business. You know, I I've of course have people come to me with all kinds of ideas and you start looking at it and say, Can you really make money at this? And it could be the best idea in the world, but if you can't make money out of it, it's probably not going to work. So you have to really vet out whether you can um, be successful at it. And then is it something that you're really going to enjoy doing? Because if not, you're going to spend many more hours at it than, than you think. We, we had one guy that worked for us that wanted to be a partner in a company. And I said, why did you want, why do you want to own your own company? He says, so I could work less hours. And I was like, well, you've got the wrong idea <laughs> because when you own your own company, you'd never stop working.
1: I come here on Sunday. (laughs) My car is the only one in the parking lot. It doesn't work that way. That's right. That you you work less hours. Yeah, I don't get to punch out at five o'clock. Not that my team does that because I have a very great dedicated team. And if I need them here, they're here, but they're entitled to go home because they're not participating to the same extent that I am in the upside of the business. But at the same time, they don't have a lot of risk. And so as a business owner, that's something that we get to take advantage of. If you were thinking back, you're a kid. You're growing up in Pittsburgh. Is that where you grew up? Or you uh, until I was 16, yes. Until you were 16, and then you came to Plantation. Right. So you're growing up in Pittsburgh. If you're like most young boys, you probably had uh, some sports heroes, some people that you looked up to that were, that were out there. Who, who would you say in... Um, your childhood that you thought, geez, this is a really cool guy or, or a great athlete or whatever. Anybody jump to your
2: mind? Well, of course, Roberto Clemente. You yeah, know, we, we were in Pittsburgh back in the day. It was more of a baseball town than it was a football town because the Steelers were terrible and the Pirates were actually good at the time. They'd won the World Series at 60 and then 71 and 79, I think. Clemente was just, he was the face of the of the town. And I used to always laugh because when the kids were really little, when they were like seven or eight years old, you know, on the, on the baseball team, everyone to play right field, which of course was the position that they would put the worst player in. So that was because Clemente was a right fielder. So,
1: Or so, you a, you are a baseball player as yes. a kid.
2: Yes. Any other sports? I play football and I was mainly a runner though. When I moved on to Florida, I, I was a, I still am an avid runner.
1: Okay. So aside from running, what else do you do to relieve stress or for recreation? Boating. You yeah. go out on the water. Yeah. It's, it's great to be out, Florida and be out in the water. Are you going to the Bahamas on the boat?
2: Are you going out and spending some time away? We've made a trip to the Bahamas, I think, every year for the past 20 years down to Green Turtle. is our kind of our happy place.
1: Do you stay when you, uh, on the boat when you go down there? Is there a- we've
2: done both. Uh, recently, we've been staying at home and we go down with multiple families have you been to Green Turtle?
1: I haven't. I, I haven't been to any of the out islands of the Bahamas. And I keep having guests on my podcast and friends. They keep talking about how great it is. And Patrick, who is the COO of the company, has a family in Spanish Wells. Okay. So he's going down there all the time. And I've always wanted to go. So I'm raising my hand.
2: Next time there's room in the boat and we don't have a pandemic. Well, last this year we actually made it down there. They were open for like two or three weeks. So we somehow hit it right at the sweet spot, but it's kind of like Galt's Gulch in the Bahamas. Galt's Gulch? Galt's Gulch, where John Galt lived. In oh, the, John
1: Galt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Galt's Gulch. Go- <laughs> Galt's Gulch. Okay. You go. So you're going to the Bahamas. You're spending some time in the water. You're doing some, you're still doing some running. Yes. Okay. And do you and Mary Lynn travel much normally?
2: Yeah, we've traveled, you know, throughout Europe, Um, throughout not so much throughout the united states as much as we'd want but a lot through europe Do
1: you have a favorite like a go-to place that you would say this is our and maybe it's a, a green turtle
2: yeah you know the two places we go back to we go to beaver creek typically skiing in the winter and then down to green turtle every summer okay
1: bob this has been a very very enjoyable time that i've got to spend with you so we've learned a little bit about your business We've heard some great things about your wife and your daughter. Jupiter Medical uh, Center has been an integral part, and I know you spent countless volunteer hours at uh, Jupiter Medical over the past five, six, seven, eight years, something along those lines. You you just have such a great local story, so I totally commend you on building the business that you built. I would also say that you're in, in such a fortunate position with, with your wife and is she going to be having some free time now or is there another plan for her?
2: Well, right now she's she's termed out at November third, so she'll be done officially. And she works for the company too. So it'll be good to have her, you know, full time at the company. So she'll be doing that. And then we'll see what happens for her. She's you know, she's an amazing person, so I'm sure some other opportunities will open up for her.
1: And is there anything that's next for you after this business? Is there another, is there another mountain to climb, another challenge?
2: Last year, at the end of the year, somebody offered to buy the company and it was a nice, pretty nice figure. And we decided at the last minute, no go. So when COVID hit, you know, I was like kicking myself. He's like, my gosh, Bob, you could have been sitting back just not worrying about anything. I will tell you though, Carrie, it, Getting through the pandemic and managing that, and it was very difficult in our industry. Um, healthcare is extremely challenging. But getting through it kind of reinvigorated me to stay in this business and continue to grow. And we've actually, this year, we had some setbacks during the early parts of the pandemic. We've actually been growing over the past few months. So I'm in it for a while. I, I certainly enjoy it. You know, we do give a lot back. We, I'm still on the board of Jupiter Medical Center. I'm on the board of FAU. You know, we'll continue to do those extra extra things also.
1: Bob, thanks so much for your time today. This is Carrie Stamp with Business in Paradise. I've had a great guest in Bob Stilly, who's the president and CEO of Heart Care Imaging right here in Tequesta, Florida, in the booming metropolis of Tequesta, Florida. Bob's my friend, he's my neighbor, and his business is right up the street from mine. Thanks, Bob.
2: Thank you, Kerry.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach Podcast with Carrie Stamp founder of Carry Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carey Stamp and Company is located at 110 Bridge Road to Cuesta, Florida 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Oh,